morning, Father. Thank you so much for our new day, Lord Jesus. Thank you. You are good, and only you can save us, Father God. I thank you that for this day, Father God, I pray, Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, that you speak to us during this day, that we will be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit, Father God. I pray that we will be attentive, Father God, as we approach in 2019, Father God. I pray that this new year will be a year where we will be strong and courageous, Father God, that we will go forward to preach the gospel, to share the gospel with those around us in our workplace, uh, uh, the store, uh, wherever we go, Father God, that we will be an example of, of you, Father. So we thank you in advance, Father God, for what you're going to do in us and through us during this day, Father God. And we worship you, Jesus. We love you. So thank you so much. And I, I pray, Lord Jesus, for our brothers and sisters around the world, God. I pray that you will strengthen them in this hour, Father God, and that you will continue to use them for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you are in the waiting, Father. We thank you, God, that your word declares that you know the plans that you have for us. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. I pray, O oh God, that today we would be attentive to the leading of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Father, that we would put off the cares that have burdened us this week or even this morning. And that we would just settle in, Father, to your presence to hear from you, to be encouraged through your word, that we may be equipped to leave this place, Father, to do your will. Thank you, God, just for the opportunity to gather. We woke up this day that your mercies are new every morning. Father, I thank you that your love endures forever and that there's none like you. May hearts and lives be impacted today with your truth, Father. we will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and we can rest securely in the fact knowing God that you are for us and not against us and I pray for those even today among us God who do not know you who do not have a personal relationship with you I pray oh God that the scales on their eyes would be open they would hear Father your voice calling them. I pray, O oh God, that they would bow their lives and their knees and receive, Father, this free gift of salvation that can only be found in Christ Jesus, Jesus, not in religion, but only in a personal relationship with the risen King. And we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Psalm 34, verse 14. Turn from evil, do good. Seek for peace and work hard to maintain it. For a whole year, we've been discussing this. This one verse, every time we gather, we put it in front of ourselves. And I want to encourage you this day, as you look forward to the upcoming year that you won't leave this verse behind but this will be a verse that will impact you for the rest of your life that you would turn from evil and do good that you would seek for peace and that you would work hard to maintain it to not live your life but to live your life now Christ in you and through you that you are growing and you're developing in your relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're calling yourself a Christian, this is the, this is the truth and the foundation of our, of our faith is that we have died. When we've come to Christ, we've allowed the old man and the old woman to be nailed to the cross, 
to his cross, that our desires no longer lead us. And when we find them leading us, we are quick to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit to turn from evil and to do good. Peace will only come when we do the first part. You will never have peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding, until you turn from evil and do good. And once you have that peace, you treasure it. You wouldn't trade it for the temporalness of this life, for temporal relationships, for temporal emotions, for temporal satisfaction. You wouldn't trade this peace for the temporalness of this life. And that's why the Word of God encourages us, strongly encourages us to work at maintaining it. The Christian life it's a life in progress. We're not perfected until we're with them. We understand this as we open up Scripture, as we're reading Scripture, as the Lord Himself tells us what's ahead of us. But it doesn't matter the trials that come. That peace that the Word of God is talking about, this wholeness, this nothing missing and nothing broken, like you see yourself in a whole state. And a completed state. And I've asked you all before, how do you see yourself? Because how you see yourself is how you'll live. Like you need to see yourself. Remember what the Bible tells us. How does he transform us? By changing the way we think. And as you think, so you go. So if you're thinking upon things that are lovely, that are pure, that are wholesome, that are right. Things that are of Christ. When you think about his resurrection and his victory over sin and death, when you think of all that he has been able to accomplish, how he paid the price, how he paid the penalty of your sin, like when you think about his great love for you, when you think about his great salvation that he offers us, like when you think upon these things, when you get to know him, when you draw close to him, the word of God says, he draws close to you. And so as you think, so you go. And so you should be growing, you should be maturing, you should be continually going forward, not turning backwards. If you're finding yourself turning back to the old ways, to the old relationships, to the old things that, quote-unquote, you thought satisfied you for that moment, you've taken your eyes off of Christ. And your eyes are not to be taken off of Christ. They are to be set upon Him. He is the author. He is the finisher of your faith. Not you. You can't bring about godliness in your life. Only He can. As you continue to yield to him, as you continue to say, not my will, but your will be done. My life is not my own. And it's a battle every single day. It is a battle every single day. And if you're not battling, you're being whooped. <laughs> you're being dragged back because of your choices. Not because of others, not because of God, not because of anything else, but you. <laughs> because as you think, so you go. 
So if you just see yourself as a sinner, then that's all you're going to do. If you only see yourself as broken and insecure and all these other weird emotions that we allow to control us, if that's how we see ourselves, that's how we'll live. But that is not what God has for us. That is not what God has for us. God has so much more for us. Because it's His kingdom now. For His kingdom for His kingdom, for His glory. That's how we're living. That's how we're supposed to be living, no matter what your age is. If you're calling yourself a Christian, that is your purpose. For His kingdom and for His glory. And you should be asking yourself that throughout the day. When you're going to make decisions, when, 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 when you're feeling temptation come, when you're feeling like you're being boxed in, you must remind yourself it's for his kingdom and it's for his glory. I'm going to yield my life to you. I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to keep making these decisions. I'm not going to keep living life a life of destruction and despair. No, God, I'm going to live a life that is whole. I'm going to turn from evil. I'm going to do good. I'm going to seek for peace and and I'm going to work hard to maintain it. No one has taken my peace from me. And until we get to that place of confidence in Christ, God, you have so much more for my life. That it was the enemy that came to steal and to kill and to destroy. But you've come to give abundant life. And I'm sick of the enemy. I'm sick of yielding to my flesh. I'm sick of yielding to the control of the enemy. I'm sick of yielding to the temptations and the, and the pull of the world. Because <laughs> I'm in you now. That's what you say. You say that when I accepted you, that my, I've been transitioned. <laughs> I've been born again of a new nature. I'm no longer living as the natural man. <laughs> I could. But no, I'm now living as one who's been born again of the Spirit. Born again of the Spirit. Last time we met, and I've encouraged y'all that this season, this Christmas season, belongs to Christians. And we ought to start taking it back. <laughs> we really should. And I encouraged you before, there's no other religion in this world <laughs> that the world perverts its celebrations. Think about it. You won't see another religion celebration perverted, perverted by the world. The world's not adopting other beliefs. <laughs> but the Christian faith, the world will always try to pervert, try to twist it, try to rob Christ from it. Try that with Muhammad. <laughs> try that with Allah. Try that with Buddha. Try that with these other so-called religions. It won't happen. But the Christian faith is constantly under attack. And that should wake you up. Should wake you up to say, wait a minute. If the world is fighting so hard against the Christian faith, then scripture must be true about the enemy about the serpent that came in to the garden to deceive Eve and then Adam. And the serpent, the enemy, is out to destroy 
faith in Jesus. I mean, think about that. Look at the level of persecution that is on the rise within our generation. Look at the level of, of, of the watering down and the stripping of the, of the Christian faith. Look at what's accepted now. And they just slap Jesus' name on it. Look at what it looks like out there. And then ask yourself, what is going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. This is what Jesus says is going to happen. Like, it is the most craziest thing that we are living in times that Jesus himself, when he walked upon this earth, said would happen. We're living in prophetic times. Things that were prophesied way back in the Old Testament by God's prophets. We are now beginning to see and to hear the stirrings of prophetic times of things that would happen in the last days. No one knows the hour or the day in which Jesus is going to return. But what we do know, if you open up your word, he is returning. And when he returns, he's not coming as a little baby. No, he's coming as a reigning king. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's going to destroy. He's coming to conquer. And his enemies are going to be dealt with. The Bible says that the times of the end would be horrific. They will be worse than the days of Noah. The level of perversion, the level of the occult, the level of, of strife and murder, the level of just rebellion is going to increase. But do you know what else is increasing? Deception. The days before Jesus returns, there is going to be such a great deception that is going to sweep across this earth. That people are going to be deceived. That they won't understand truth. And that's why during those times, Christians are going to be heavily and intensely persecuted because they're going to hate us. They're going to hate us. Just you being around them, people are going to be irritated by your life. Such great deception will sweep over this earth, clouding and blinding the eyes and the minds of people. That they would turn and they would hate God. They would hate Jesus. They wouldn't want anything to do with him. And so these, if these are the times in which we are moving towards, how are you preparing your heart and your mind daily? With such great deception sweeping throughout the earth, how are you, as an individual, preparing to remain upright in heart and in mind? That's why it's so vital if you are a Christian that you are having time, personal time of study, of prayer, of worship, of corporate gathering, 
of where you're being encouraged and you're edifying and you're building each other up. That you're working and you're doing good things with your hands. And the words that are coming out of your mouth are words that edify and build up. Not tearing down, not destroying. You shouldn't be working towards your destruction or anyone else's destruction. You ought to be working for unity and peace and love. Because that is what Christ did. And as Christians, we are to reflect Him. We are to bear His image to a dying world, to a world that is being deceived. Rather they hate us or not, we're to still live as new creations. We're not clinging to this world. Our hope is no longer found here. Our hope is found in Him and in Him alone. And in him alone. Now, I've been a Christian for quite some time now. And I've studied different prophecies. And I've sat through different classes on Revelation. And I've studied Revelations. And I've taught through Revelations. And there's so much to understand. You'll, you'll never have a full understanding of, of all, these things, all these events that are to come. But the Bible does give us an insight that we can start being attentive to things around us as believers. And since I came to Christ and began to study, there's always been this, this understanding and people talking about this third temple that's to be built in Israel. And it's a prophetic sign for the end times. That when this third temple is built, when, when the Jews go back to, to sacrificing animals, worshiping their God in this temple, when you begin to, to understand the significance of that, then you realize, wait a minute, something's right about this book. And for years I would hear about this, and for years I would kind of read up on it. For years I'd be like, what does all this mean? How is this ever going to happen? I mean, how on earth will this ever come to be? I can only imagine what believers thought when Israel wasn't, didn't even have a, their land anymore, when they were scattered. It was 1960-something that all of a sudden Israel came back. I can only imagine what believers thought. Well, prophecy says Israel has to be Israel. They have to have their land. They didn't have anything back then. <laughs> but now all of a sudden events took place and poof, Israel is rebirthed. So how on earth will a third temple come about? 1947. 1947. I always think it's 67, but you're right. 1947. Israel was birthed again. And then last week, for two weeks now, little sights first showing the temple, talks about the temple. The first time in quite some time that the Sanhedrin did a sacrifice of an animal. And at first when I was watching and listening to it, I was like, ah, okay, maybe these are whacked out people, you know. 
but then all of a sudden, like major, like reliable Christian media starts picking up on it. And there is actually a move now in Israel with the Sanhedrin to build a third temple. To begin starting to offer sacrifices. And you may say, well, what does that mean for you? Oh, if you're a Christian, that means so much for you. Because when that takes place, oh, we're really, I don't, again, we don't know the day or the hour. We don't even know when that temple will be built. But I'm telling you, to live in an hour where that's even being talked about, where that is now being pursued, where that's now all of a sudden there is an awakening among the Jews in Israel to rebuild this temple. You understand that's the temple where the Antichrist is going to stand and declare that he is God. I said, oh, Father, the prophetic times in which we're living, we cannot keep playing church, you all. We can't having one foot in and one foot out. We can't be saying, oh, yes, I'm a Christian, and, dis and, dis and discrediting Christ by the way we live our lives. Because you are going to answer for that. Not when you know truth. The truth sets you free. Truth doesn't keep you in bondage. Truth doesn't keep you enslaved. Truth doesn't keep you turning and going back, reaching back. No, truth sets you free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. You can choose to go back. You could choose to allow your circumstances and things in your life to, to shift your focus back to who you were. That's your choice. But God has revealed himself to us. And we are living and we are purposed. Y'all realize you are purposed for this time. Like you are purposed, as long as you have breath in your body, you are purposed to live in this generation that is growing darker. You are purposed to bear light in a dark generation. Like the Bible says that he knows the plans that he has for you. Like he's prepared good works for you to do. Like you were purposed. So many of us are searching, or, or we feel like we ha our lives are whatever, but your life is so much more than what you give God credit for. Like every single day you need to be getting up. If you're calling yourself a Christian, then every single day, not my will, your will. God, how can I advance your kingdom today? God, Father, give me the strength to do what is right. Like Holy Spirit, you're in me. <laughs> Bring conviction to my heart. Bring me to a place of repentance of the sin that so easily entangles me so I can throw it off. So I can run this race that is set before me. That I would find strength and hope and peace daily in Christ. Like some of us really have got to start a prayer life. If you're lacking in your growth and you're maturing in Christ, it's because of your prayer life. It is vital that you have a prayer life. That you're in this word and that you're praying through scripture and that you're believing it because we can't apply what we don't believe. 
Did you hear that? You can't apply what you don't believe because remember, as you think, so you go. And we've been talking about belief. Like when I say reclaim this, this holiday, reclaim your belief about this holiday. Like a virgin has a baby. She named him Jesus. Who ends up being the Messiah. Who ends up laying his life down so that you can live. How you believe is how you live. Remember if I told you, if I believe I'm a duck, I'm going to act like a duck. I'm going to learn all the characteristics of a duck. And you can tell me, Rob, no, you are a white man. And I'm going to tell you, no, I am a duck. Because that's what I believe. And isn't that the generation in which we're living in today? Everyone is whatever they believe. And don't you say anything about it. Because it's what I believe. Your belief is your belief. My belief is my belief. And everyone is so confused. What do you believe? Your belief is what forms you. It's what, it's what brings out life from you. As you think, so you go. What do you believe in you all? See, my prayer is, is that through this season, the way that Christians can reclaim it is to truly believe. Truly believe that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Believe. And you say, it's that simple? Yes. Believe. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's a lot of people going to church and they don't believe. They think church is going to save them. They think following this and doing this and this and that and this and over here is going to save them. But it's only Jesus that saves. And God so loved the world. And that's why we get up every day and asking God, how can I serve you and serve others? God, when's the last time you asked God to give you the desire to love the lost? We don't hate the lost. We're, the lost are not our enemies. We are to have compassion because guess what? You were once lost. And so just because we come to Christ doesn't mean that all of a sudden we're the, you know, the, the best of the best. <laughs> no, we're to humble ourselves and we're to serve. Because we once were there. We cannot forget from which the heights that we have fallen. We can't forget who we were. No, we remember what it's like to be enslaved to our thoughts and to our minds. We know we remember what it's like. But now we're free. And so why wouldn't we want that message to be shared with us? That's what Jesus came to do. 
came to change the hearts and the minds of men and women. To open up our eyes that we would see. Sin is not to be reigning in our life, you all. The Bible encourages us to understand this. So we've got to stop making excuses. We've got to stop making excuses for why we, why we continue to choose to sin. We've got to stop making excuses. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. Rob, that's not who you are anymore. Why are you putting your hands towards that, Rob? Why are you allowing those words to come out of your mouth, Rob? Why are you? Why is your feet leading you that way, where that's where I'm not? Like you are to abide in my presence. You remember, Jesus says you are to remain in me, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, Rob, you can choose to go your way, but why would you? What's back there? What are you looking for? Because all that you need is in all that I am. Because I am. And we can worship him, you all. In spirit and in truth. And we can draw close to him. Remember, God is not stiff-arming us. Yeah, we're stiff-arming God. You're not God in this area of my life. No, you're not God right now because i got to deal with what's going on. No, you're not God. I'm going to speak my peace. What? Is that really how you want to live your life? Stiff-arming God? Only loving Him when, it, when, it, when it's good for you? Because that doesn't make you a Christian. In fact, that makes you an enemy. God says, Jesus himself says, you're either for me or you're against me. Like, there's no wishy-washy. Like, come on. Believe, he says. Let me lead you. Let me lead you. The birth of Jesus, you all, changed history. It impacted this earth. It has affected and impacted men and women's lives throughout generations. It was prophesied that the Messiah would come to deliver mankind from their oppressor. We must be free people, you all. Go to Luke chapter 2. I want to ask you a question, and I pray that through this week you'll, you'll think about this question. Is there room for Jesus? Is there room for Jesus in your heart and in your life? Is there room for Jesus in our fellowship? Is there room for Jesus in your family? Is there room for Jesus in your place of employment? Is there room for Jesus? Because there wasn't room for Jesus the night of his birth. Like when he went, as Mary and, and, and um, Joseph were traveling into Bethlehem, remember, it was all crowded. There was no rooms available. Bethlehem was packed 
lot of people. Remember, they were doing the census. Everybody had to go in and be counted. There was no room for Jesus, the Messiah, the King of Kings. There was no room for him. He was put out back. And I want to challenge you as you're going through uh, this week, as you're looking forward to the new year, is there room for Jesus? You need to make room if there's not. I mean, the truth is, is you've got to be really honest with yourself. You, only you can answer that question. Only you can. You know. And when you see that, no, I'm not making room for him, don't play that weird game where you beat yourself up or you say, oh, I'm not a good Christian or, oh, this, this is whatever. No, when you just recognize, no, I, there's no room for him. I need to start making room. I need to get out of the way. I need to get rid of this person. I need to get rid of these things. I got I to gotta make room for Jesus. Because <laughs> I will never turn from evil and do good. I will never know peace. I will never seek for it or maintain it if I don't make room for Jesus. Like, make room, you all. Make room. Don't allow your heart to be crowded and cluttered. Stop letting so many people into your lives that are affecting your very soul. God, as people, we give ourselves away so much. I used to live that way. I used to just try to find just something or someone to feel. And nothing ever satisfied me. No one ever satisfied me. Your satisfaction will only be found in Christ, and you must unclutter your heart. You must make room for the very one who purposed you and planned you, who breathed life into you, who sustains your life to the one that you would have to give an account to for your life that he gave you. Is there room for Jesus? Chapter 2 of Luke. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because... There was no lodging available for them. And last week, I'm not going to, the last time we were together, we talked about the prophetic um, the prophecies that were established even before the birth of Jesus to foretold, to foretell of the one who would come, to crush the head of the enemy. All throughout the Old Testament, all these prophecies were pointing out to this Messiah that would come. And Jesus fulfilled every single one of these prophecies. All the way down to Joseph's. Joseph being a descendant of King David. 
Everything was orchestrated and arranged to bring them back to Bethlehem. The place the Messiah was to come from. And you say, what can I take from that? You can grasp the understanding that God is orchestrating what he has planned and purpose for his kingdom. And you are planned and purposed, you all, to be kingdom-minded. Trust that God is orchestrating and, and, and bringing about the plans that he has for your life. You said, how, how can I choose not to keep going back by trusting in God? God, it doesn't matter what my past was. It doesn't matter what all the years that the locusts have eaten. It doesn't matter all of this junk behind me. Because that's where it's at. Behind you. My God, I want to focus on what's ahead of me. Uh, you have engrafted me into your kingdom. You have called me out as your own. I am making room for you. I am choosing this day in whom I am serving. And I'm putting my hope and my trust in. It's in you. It's in you. And as you think, so you go. You will start walking upright. You will start acting differently. Your speech will start being affected. Your thoughts would start changing. All of a sudden, there's a newness coming about you. And as we talked about it before, people are going to look and say, what is different about you? What do you mean you don't do this anymore? What do you mean you don't do that anymore? Oh, what do you mean you don't talk that way anymore? What do you mean that this offends you now? And it opens up the door for you to share about Jesus. How not only how he has impacted your life, but the good news of how he can impact their life. You can't just keep running them up with the world. You just can't keep running them up with sinners. You just can't keep running them up. No, you are to be conformed and transformed daily. 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 Until you take your last breath. And then when you're before him, you're perfected. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now enter in to my rest. But here, at the birth of of our Savior. There was no room for him. I love how it picks up here. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth laying in a manger. Suddenly... The angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest of heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. This is who you're saying you believe in if you're a Christian. Like, look what it says there. angel 
appeared before you know it. The armies of heaven, a vast host of others joined. I can't even imagine what they experienced. The Savior is born. The one who's going to deal with the oppressor. The one who's going to crush the head of the very one who's come out to destroy mankind. Remember I told you, the enemy is not what man has made him. He doesn't have the, the horns and the red face of uh, scariness about him. The Bible says he comes as an angel of light to seduce men and women, to draw them away from God, to confuse them, to twist them in their thinking so that he can control them. Why do you think that when the Antichrist stands in that temple in the last days and claims that he is God, the whole world is going to be drawn to worship him? But not Christians, because you already know he's coming. You already know the spirit of Antichrist has been on this earth. But at some point, he will take bodily form. <laughs> And he will do great miracles and signs and wonders. He will deceive many to come to worship him. And trust me, for years I was like, how is this all going to be? This is weird. What does this make sense? And then when I'm watching this, and these are live pictures of what's happening and how these people are talking about this temple, and they don't believe in the Bible. They don't believe in the Antichrist. They just want, they want their Messiah to return. That's what the Jews are still waiting for. They're still waiting for the Messiah to come. But they believe that prophecy for them believes that as they build this temple, it will usher in the Messiah. This is incredible times that we're living. You have to choose who, which side you're on. And you have to live. There's work to be done. Look what was declared to these shepherds who were on the outside of Bethlehem, just tending to their sheep. And now all of a sudden they're having this encounter. Like, oh, but look at the good news that was shared with them. The Savior is born. This should bring hope to mankind. I don't know about you, before I came to Christ, hearing about Jesus brought no hope to me. Because I wanted to live how I wanted to live. Do what I wanted to do. Feel what I wanted to feel. Be who I am. Forget Him. But not until your eyes are open. Jesus reveals himself. God is pleased to reveal your, himself to you through his son Jesus. And the Holy Spirit draws you. And the Bible says that he loves you, yet though you're in complete rebellion towards him. He loves you. He desires that you would be with him. But he's not going to force you. Because love is not expressed by force. Love is expressed by willingness to lay your life. Love is expressed through uh, all creation, to all creation, 
by one laying down their life. I'm thinking of you before I think of me. That's how Christians are to live. And look how the gospel is being perverted nowadays and has been and will continue to be. We're making the gospel even about us. Come live your best life now. Come make it all about you and you and you and you. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is about Jesus. Just as it was then. When it was announced to these shepherds. The Messiah. The Savior. He's been born. When the angels had returned, verse 15, to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, with the Lord has, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. These people have been crying out for a deliverer. These people have been promised for thousands of years of a deliverer, of a Messiah, one who would come to set them free. And these shepherds were called. And not only were they called, but look how they responded once they found the baby, the Messiah. They told everyone. And not only that, look what happened to them. They went back to their work. But look even what they were doing while they were working. Glorifying God. And as it is with them, so it is with us. We're called. Our eyes are open to see Jesus for who he is. And we can't help but tell others. We can't help but tell others. And then we can't help but live lives that glorify Jesus in our day-to-day -day life. Honoring him. Trusting in him. See, you just got to put it into practice. A lot of people think that the Christian life is boring. A lot of people are like, oh, church. But it's no, it's not. You're boring. Like when you get to know God, when you walk with him, when you're in relationship with him, that's God Almighty. Everything changes and it's possible all because of God. I would encourage you this year, make room for Jesus and say, God, I'm going to get, I'm just going to trust you. No matter how hard it is, I'm going to trust that you are who you say you are. These shepherds were told specifically. I love how that part just ended. Everything that the angels said was how they found it. The Messiah. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus. The name given by him, I'm sorry, given him by the angel even before he was conceived. 
Then it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of, of the child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The Lord, the law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that same time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, I'm sorry, to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and prayed, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, Listen to this. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts, hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Wow. Wow. This guy has lived a life. He was waiting for the Messiah. The Holy Spirit told him, you're not going to die until you see him. I told you, these people were eagerly expecting the Messiah for thousands of years. Each generation was told of the prophecies. Everyone was told of what God was going to do. And these people were expecting. Are you expecting, you all? Are you telling the upcoming generation? Are you equipping them to prepare for the return of Jesus? These people, they were expecting, and yet they had no room for Jesus. Simeon told Mary, like many are going to fall because of him, but many will rise up. He told him, he has been sent as a sign from God but many will oppose him. Hearts are going to be revealed, the true nature of men's hearts. And your soul, Mary, is going to be pierced because she's going to be standing there looking up at her son on the cross. He was hated. He was rejected. He was despised. They beat him to a pulp. They stripped his skin off of his body and nailed him to a criminal's cross. And for what charge? Because he was sharing that God loved them. 
and that he came to rescue them. They killed him. They treated him that way. But like I said just a bit ago, we're no different before we come to Christ. How do you view Christ? When you hear this, when you hear people talk, how do you view Jesus? How do, what do you believe? Because when you believe, you live. I can't say it enough. How you believe is how you'll live. And I believe in Jesus, you all. I believe in the one in whom we're reading about. Do you believe? Because it should be transforming your life. This guy cries out, now I can die. Finally, Lord, take me in peace. Because I have seen the Messiah, the one that we are expecting Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue <coughs> Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was upon him. Jesus, you all. Jesus as a baby <laughs> impacting the world forever. One man's life changes all others because he's God. He's God. God came down to rescue us, you all. And for so long we made God out to be this bad person or this bad God. So long we, we twist his truths and, we, and we're scared of him. But God's love, you all, there's nothing like it. Like when you really grasp the picture that God came down, you all, he knows the state of your heart. He knows the state of your mind. He knows the state of your sinful, rebellious nature, your destructive nature. And he comes down and he says, Child, you are mine. I am here to save you. And it's up to you to receive it or to stiff on him and say, You're not God. I'll keep going my way. I'll keep doing it my way. And your way, no matter what, is never, ever, ever going to bring about eternal peace. You must care about your soul, you all. You are body, soul, and spirit. That is how you were born. And when you don't take care of a baby... What happens to the body? It dies. 
But as the baby is forming, as the body is forming, so is the soul. And isn't it funny how destructive words are, things that have happened to people's lives, things that have happened to your life, that have, has, has groomed you and has affected your soul to, to make you the person and whom you are today? The pain and the hurt, the struggle, it's real. Because what you have endured, and you don't think the enemy is out to destroy your life? He knows that you were purposed for this season. The greatest gener time and generation where it's getting darker out there and deception is running amok and filth is on the rise. The enemy goes, you sh they were born for this season. They were born for now. They were born for now. And he assigns his demons, he assigns his legions to go after you with everything that they have to entice you and to entrap you with false knowledge. And so then your soul craves the filth of this world because of your woundings and of your hurts. Body, soul, and then spirit. We were all created in the image of God. We all have a spirit. It forms and fashions our beliefs. That's how man is born in the natural. Born a sinner. Born apart from God. Born to create the things of this world. Born blinded by the enemy. <laughs> oh, but the good news, you all, that we just read. A Savior has been born. The Messiah. Your deliverer is here. It's good news. Because now when Jesus says you must be born again of the Spirit, it's a reordering of your life. You no longer live by body, soul, and spirit. No, there's a reorder that takes place. You're living spirit, soul, and body. And everything's coming in line with how God perfectly designed you. That's the Christian life, you all. You're not living out of the natural realm anymore. You're living out of this new realm. You've been transformed. My spirit has been rebirthed. I have the Holy Spirit within me, which brings my soul into an alignment to Him who heals my very soul. I'm no longer that wounded individual. I'm no longer the boy that was molested. I was no longer, I'm no longer the drug addict. I'm no longer the drunkard. I'm no longer the angry person. I'm no longer all the stuff that others made me and I made myself. Because I'm learning now to live as a whole. Everything comes into an alignment. Freedom, you all. Freedom. All because God stooped down, took on flesh, and said, I'm here to rescue you all. I've got you. Follow me. Why do you think he kept telling his disciples, Follow me, follow me, follow me. 
Because he knows the way to life. Oh, you can choose to keep going your way, you all. You can choose to keep running amok and getting tied up with the filth of this world. And that is your choice. But you're not going to blame God. You're not going to blame God. Because God has done all he can do. <laughs> all that he has purposed to set the captives free. And when you're free, you're free indeed. You're free indeed. Go to Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40. I'm going to close with just a few scriptures to encourage you all. Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40. Again, my whole encouragement for us today is, is there room for Jesus in your life as you're looking forward to this upcoming year? And that's the position you ought to be doing is looking forward, not looking back. <clears throat> you know what the Bible says about disciples? That if you put your hand to the plow to go forward and you look back, you're not even fit for the kingdom of God. Because guess what? You're still thinking of yourself. You're looking back. What's back there? Like it even ever entice you to turn from God. There should be nothing. You should put your hands to that plow and say, God, I'm yours. God, I'm yours. And that's not an easy decision to make you all. Jesus knows that. That's why he says, consider the cost because it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you everything. Turn from sin. Turn from evil. Turn from your desires and all that you think you are. Turn and turn to me. Can you believe that even the message that I'm preaching to you now in our United States of America is considered hate speech? Can you believe it? Do you believe that if you preach the true gospel message, you are looked upon as someone who is stirring up hate. How sad. Remember what I said earlier. The times in which we are living, deception is on the, is on the run. It's spreading across this earth. There's such a level of deceit and lies that are happening like never before in our, in our, in our time. And men and women and children are falling enslaved to it. Oh, but we are to be the voice of hope. Rather, they can, whatever they want to say about us, no matter how they want to respond, it doesn't matter. You keep living for Jesus, you all. The level of persecution that is on the rise of Christians on this earth is unbelievable. Unbelievable. There's always been persecution. But the level that it's coming up on is unbelievable. And it's only going to get worse. And you say, but then what's the hope of being a Christian? Your hope is nothing in this world, you all. See, that's the whole thing. As a Christian, you're not trying to find hope on this earth. This world is not your home. This earth is not your home. You are only here as a temporary resident. And you are to hope in Christ. You are to hope for eternity in his kingdom. 
That's what you're looking forward to. So that's why you're not entangling yourself here. No, you're looking forward to what's ahead for you. You're not to be afraid of what man can do to your body. The Bible says you ought to be, you don't be afraid of men. Fear God, the one who can destroy your body and send your soul to hell. You don't want to be separated by God when God has done all that he will do to reconcile you back to him because you belong to him. Such great love. I love you. I'm here to rescue you. I came for you. And then what does he ask of us? Look at these verses here. Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40. Jesus replied, talking about, he was, they were trying to trap him about the law. But Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second, it's equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God, you all. No matter your age, love the Lord your God. Do you love him? Is there room for him? Again, it's not about you being this perfect Christian. It's not about you striving within your own self to be right. It's about trusting and believing in him. And in that trust and in that belief, it changes you. You're not the old person. You say, but I still feel old. Well, then learn what's new. See, that feeling of feeling to steal the old desires and the old nature, it should prompt you to say, I, I, no, i got to know who I am now. You don't sit and still think, well, I'm just this, or no, I still feel this, or oh, I really want that. Or I really want to act this way. I really want to talk this way because I have a right to. I can do whatever I want. Listen, that's not a Christian. A Christian is remaining humble. Like, God, it is still in me, but God, I'm giving it to you. God, work it out in me because you came to set me free. I'm no longer a captive, so I'm going to stop thinking like one that is held captive. I want to start living afresh and anew. Like, am I loving him? And then in then and in turn, am I loving others? That's what Jesus says. Love him and love others. Go to Matthew 16, verse 24. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And look at verse 26. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is it worth it, you all? Was the nastiness really worth it? Was the bad attitude and the selfishness and the perversion and just the craziness, is it really just worth it? I would ask you all, allow the Holy Spirit to, to guard, to check your heart and then to guard it. To bring conviction into your life. We're so quick to tell everybody what we're about. <laughs> Rather it's on social media or when we get to meet them. But listen, your life is not your own. 
<laughs> is so quick to laugh along with the world. Ha 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 ha. Well, they're all heading to hell. And you're supposed to have the good news. Of the one who came to set man free. Ha 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 ha. You're the one who's tearing down with your words and even fighting with your own hands. And all along, a younger generation is watching. Come on. Jesus' words. What benefit? What, what, what did it benefit? So you gain this temporal sense of life. But in the end, was it really worth losing everything? I mean, that's the question you have to ask yourself as you look forward to this new year. Is it really worth it? Oh, what are people going to think of me? Oh, I'm going to be an outcast. What are my family going to think? What is this? What is that? What you, well, then I don't do this. We make all these weird things. We just lay your life down. Jesus tells them, if you're going to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, this is how you're to live. This is how you're to live. And that's why I've always told you, when you hear the gospel being preached, giving you the right to yourself, something's wrong. Because that's not what Jesus taught. Jesus told them. Like, listen, he understands the condition of this earth and this world and the hearts of men. Jesus knew, because remember, the cross was always purposed, even before God spoke the earth into an existence. Remember, love had to be displayed for creation to witness. That's what it's all about, y'all, love. Remember, the enemy wants to distort and twist everything that God purposes. But God, you all. But God. Jesus, you all. He knows. He knew that they were going to hate him, that they were going to despise him. He knew what was going to happen. But oh, he also knew on the third day, victory was coming. Oh, you can have all you want of me now. But I'm the king. I'm God. And as his children on this earth, because remember, you are purpose. You have breath in your body. You are purpose for this generation to do the works of God. For his kingdom. For his purpose. Now, you can choose to live however you want and get tangled and lost in this world. That is your choice. Have it and have it and have it and get it and let it just keep consuming you. <laughs> but in the end, uh, you're going to have to ask yourself, was it really worth it? Was it really worth denying God and turning from him? Such great love. Just to feel a temporal satisfaction. Oh, it makes you feel good at that time. In reality, you don't feel good. You don't feel good. I mean, look how destruction is sweeping across families and lives throughout the earth. And the enemy sits back and mocks and laughs. Remember, he's the one who is out to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
But Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. And that's why he can say, follow me. Look what it says there. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Lay your life down. And that's why it's important to be discipled. Once you lay your life down, how do you live now? So that's why you have a desire to learn of God. How am I to live now? How am I to share the gospel? How do I start a prayer life? How, how do I come along and, and use my gifts among the church so that collectively we can do God's will together? See, that's the mindset of a Christian. And we're learning that as we're going through our Friday night study. By getting the church back to how the church ought to be. Living with the mindset of how to be kingdom-minded and being about our Father's business. There's work to be done. Again, like I tell you, when you hear the rumblings of the third temple being built, all that should shake you to the core. Because I told you, for years and for centuries, it's been discussed. All of a sudden, in our lifetime, it's moving forward. I mean, I'm not sure if y'all are getting it. Because <laughs> it took me a day or two to really go, oh. Yeah? Like, oh Jesus. And then when I watch the video of it, I go, oh Jesus. Like, I had to get on my face, you all. Like, oh God. Like, this is events in your word. <laughs> this is leading up to everything I've always heard. And I'm alive to hear the rumblings and the beginnings of what would usher in the end times. I said, oh, Jesus. Is there room for Jesus, you all? Did you all to make room? I'm telling you, you need to ask yourself, what do you keep going back for? Why do you keep acting so ignorant? You say, well, that's harsh words. No, that's what it is because you hear truth over and over and over and over. And you have to ask yourself, why aren't I believing? The enemy's got you so twisted. You believe more of the lies of hell than you believe the truth of God's word. Think about your decisions you made this week. Think about what you put your hand towards, what you, where your feet led you, what your thoughts were, and what your mouth was. Huh. And you tell me, who'd you believe? It's not a game, you all. It's not just church. I just go to church. Church isn't going to save you. Only Jesus. Like, oh my God, y'all get it? Like, he came down to save you. You know, my feet go. And like I said earlier, the Holy Spirit said, Rob, that's not where you to go. I go to speak. Why are you talking that way? Why are you reacting that way? I had a, a therapist, physical therapist appointment for my thumb. This week. 
They moved up my, my appointment. I said, okay, I can make it. So I get there, and I'm waiting 25 minutes. I'm in the busiest season at work. I've got a lot of stuff going on. And at first, my flesh was like, oh, I was becoming irritated. You know, I wanted to react. You know, that flesh is always there. Remember the Bible tells you, your flesh and spirit, they war against each other. But your flesh does not control you unless you allow it to. I could allow my flesh to get ugly. I could have. It's always there for you. You can always give in. But just as I was to that point of just like, oh God, <laughs> I'm about to freak out in this place. Like, where is she? I just felt the Lord say, calm it down, man. <laughs> Be at peace. You don't know what her day's like. And I was like, yeah, that's right. I don't. So I started changing my thoughts. I'm going to think, I said this, I'm going to think upon things that are right and that are good, that are lovely, that are pure. You know, I just started shifting my focus. And it's so easy for us to do, especially if we have Christ in us. Because we can choose to do what is right. We can choose to turn from evil and do good. <laughs> I, I could have chose to lose my peace in that moment. But I chose to cling to it. <sighs> she comes running in. She comes around the corner. She calls me in. Oh, thank you. I'm sorry. Blah, blah, blah. So we go through things, and all of a sudden, she asks me, she sees my doctor's name, she says, oh, and she starts talking about my doctor, how long have you been going to him, I just took my mom there, before you know it, she starts sobbing, breaks down, starts crying, I'm like, and then all of a sudden, she just opens up about her life, how her dad just died, how her mother has onsets of Alzheimer's, she's had to move her mom in, and she's just freaking down. And so my schedule is all, I'm trying to get used to my schedule, and I'm just listening to her. And she goes, thank you for being so patient. Like when I came around the corner and I just saw your face and your countenance, I was expecting you to be angry or really frustrated. In my head, I was like, oh, God. I, God knew that I, I didn't need to be frustrated or angry or let her see my countenance a hot mess. I share that with y'all, not for anything, but to encourage you all. Like, it can be lived. Like, this Christian life, it can be lived. It's not a life so far away from you, and you go, oh, I can't reach it. You have to apply truth. So when I said just a bit ago, it's because you're ignorant. That's what it is, because you're not applying truth. You're not allowing truth to define you. Your belief is your own. How you believe is how you live. And so if you just see yourself a mess, then that's what you'll create. If you believe in lies, you'll live a deceived, warped sense of reality. And your, and your reality really isn't real. It's all about belief. Belief. In a day and age where deception is running amok, where confusion is, is, is running chaotic, chaos, 
You're called to be a person of sound mind, of a pure heart, of light. And they're going to hate you. But don't let it stop you. Because there's work to be done. Go to John chapter 15. Short verses ahead of us and then we're wrapping up. John 15, verse 18 through 19. These are Jesus' words. If there's anything you should do in this new year is go read Jesus' words. If you don't want to read the whole Bible, read Jesus' words. Get you a red letter Bible so you can see Jesus' words and just go get to know Jesus. Listen to what he says here. John 15, verse 18 through 19. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. And I love this last line. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. The Christian faith is not going to be celebrated, you all. People are going to hate you. Just get used to it. Oh, but I want everyone to like me. Well, then you're looking at yourself. Well, I want friends. I want, I want to be friends with everyone. Well, that's you. If they love you, you're a part of them. <laughs> Your identity is found in Christ. And then in Christ, you are positioned in the church, the body of Christ. And your satisfaction comes from Christ and then the members of the body. Because we're one. Because we're all going through it. Like when you struggle, I struggle. You all struggle. When we're facing something, we all go in it together. And guess what? If we all had that mentality, guess what? We're not alone. Because why? We're together. And we know that they will hate us. But that doesn't mean we stop loving them. It doesn't mean we stop serving them. It doesn't mean we hide away. No, it just compels us to go even further. Into the darkest places. We just had that young man, but he was 26 years old or in his 20s who was killed by that remote tribe. He had a desire that these people who live in the remotest part of the world, no one in our, in our culture or in our times, they live like way back in the days. No one can step foot on that island because they killed them. But this young missionary, like God has called me to reach them. And he would go and, and he would speak from the boat. <laughs> and then he really felt compelled that he had to go put his feet on that island. And they brutally murdered him. And people have been making fun of him. Oh, he's stupid. Oh, this or that. Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he? Why would he not do it? It's the question. Especially if you're a Christian. Because that's how you're to care for the lost, you all. That's how you're to care for people. But you can't care for people because, you know why? Because we're so consumed with ourselves. We've got our own issues. You don't know my life. You don't know my house. You don't know my family. We're so bogged down 
exhausted mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We're exhausted. And we ought not to be. We ought not to be. Your life is not your own if you're a Christian. You're to live differently. You're to love differently. And you're to remember, yeah, not everybody's going to be your best friend. And even if they're your friend, you could always have a Judas among you who will hurt you to the very core. Jesus dipped the the bread into the bowl and handed it to Judas and said, now go do what you have to do. Jesus knew all along Judas would be the one that would betray him. Not everybody is for you. And it's okay because God is for you. And that's why we should be excited about our faith in Christ, excited about our church family, excited that we are positioned for this time and this generation to live. And why do you think the enemy works so hard, your flesh works so hard to keep us crowded up here, crowded here, keeping Jesus out and making us an emotional mess? (laughs) Because we will not be effective witnesses. But let us believe, you all. Let us believe in this upcoming year that Jesus is the Savior. That He has set us free. Let us believe and hold each other accountable to that. And watch what God does among us. Get up every day with purpose in your heart. Don't dread every day. Don't get caught up in everyday activities. It's so easy to. I'm as guilty as it as well. But God is really challenging me. And I'm saying, yes, okay, God, yes. Like, I believe. Go to John 14, verse 1 through 3. Listen to Jesus' words. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way to where I am going. Such comforting words. Remind yourself of what Jesus says. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Like he's gone away, but he's coming back again, you all. And the kingdom that we're going to enter into is going to be glorious. Go to John 14, same chapter, verse 20, 21. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Listen to what Jesus just said there. When I am raised again, and he's already been raised again, you all. Verse 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And so the question is, do you love him? 
Again, this isn't some type of weird game, some type of weird life that we just tack Jesus on to our life. No, no, no. It's going to cost you everything. Do you love him? Well, I don't know. Well, do you obey him? Listen to what it says here. The ones who love me accept my commandments and obey them. It's plain and simple. But it's not easy. Because you're living differently than how the world is running. Remember the scripture. If you've been around me long enough, you've heard me teach it and you know it by heart. I'm sure if you've been around long enough in Genesis, sin crouches at your door. Its desire is to master you. But you must master it. Sin is crouching. Your old nature is there. Don't listen to what they're saying. Don't, don't, don't want to care about that. Oh, they're just crazy. It, Jesus, blah, blah, blah. And he did, just brings some confusion. Like, this is better for you. And then you just go your way. But remember what love is. Love is laying your life down. A true expression of love. Not mine life but yours God like I want to obey teach me in and of myself I won't and I know you know that about me and so like the psalmist my prayer daily at times is when I'm feeling stressed or when I'm feeling like I just want to give up and give in and get back to my old ways I remember what the psalmist cried out God that you would not neglect the work of your hands and I'm the work of your hands you've begun this work in me you are faithful to complete it right now I'm feeling this but God I know my feelings are not to rule me and control me I am ruled by the spirit of God who is the sovereign God the king of kings and the lord of lords and before you know it I just preached myself happy and the temptation that was standing there screaming at me the pull that was happening within my flesh to go back ceases in a moment when I think of how my mind used to run crazy God, if you knew the man that I was, if you knew the mind that was in here, and when it wants to come up, when it wants to try to remind me, I go, oh, wait a minute. I'm not my own. I've been bought with the price. Jesus laid his life down for me. Some of you have got to start speaking to yourself, reminding you who you belong to. And living it out, empowered. And that's why the world takes notice. What on earth? How can you not give in to this? What do you mean you don't want to give in to that? What do, you, what do you mean you're living this way? Oh, it's not me, it's Jesus. And it just opens the door for you to share. Some are going to believe, some are going to hate you. But it doesn't matter. You're just living for Jesus. You're just trusting in Jesus. Like when I share my testimony, or if I, if I got up and I was able to you know, share and I go out and share my testimony, people would react. And they would call me a whole bunch of names. Because <laughs> I'm seeing a group of youth, a group of young people coming out of the lifestyle, sharing their testimonies, how God has delivered them. And people are attacking them. It's, a, it's incredible. The, the, the hate that is thrown against people 
But the same will go for you. Because it doesn't matter where you were or who you were. <laughs> what matters is you're loving Jesus, and people are not going to be excited over it. But I still say, how on earth can the message of love and, a, and living a right life now infuriate people? I remember when I first came to Christ and I went back to my old friends, they hated it. I mean, even Gilda didn't even believe. Gilda, I think you said it wasn't until you saw me worshiping. And she was like, like, this guy's different. Like, where were my friends? Why didn't these people who loved me for years, who, who said they were my friends, my best friends, we had relationship, we did life together for 20-some-odd years, I mean, incredible relationships, but we were drunk all the time, stoned all the time, having sex, angry, abusive. Huh. And now all of a sudden, well, he's clean, he's sober, he's making better choices. Well, now they don't like me. Now something's wrong with me. Now all of a sudden they have all these bad things to say about me. They were okay when I was dying with them. So even then I had to guard my heart. And I said, God, they don't know you. I still want to love them. I still want to pray for them. And then they would call. Hey, can you pray for me? Hey, I don't know your God, but can you come to the hospital and pray for my friend? I mean, come on, you all. The Christian life can be lived. So don't let your heart be troubled, he says. Trust in God and trust also in me. I'm coming back for you. But remember, you have a purpose. While you have breath on this earth, you have a purpose to live for my kingdom. Do you love him? John 8. And then we got one more after this. John 8, verse 23 through 24. Comes back to what I've been asking. Do you believe? Jesus continued, You are from below, I am from above. You belong to this world, I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. And he was talking to these religious men. But just as he spoke to them, he speaks to us. He doesn't force you to believe you all. He just reveals himself to you. The greatest, the greatest, the greatest love. Like I told you, when I was on that couch ready to kill myself, like when I tell you how much I hated Jesus, like when I tell you I, I, want, I didn't want him to be God. But as those pills were going to my mouth, all of a sudden from behind me, today you'll live. Oh God. The love that was in that room. He didn't beat me down. He didn't tell me what a horrible person I was. I already knew I was horrible. I already knew I was a sinner. I already knew I rejected him. And that's why my first position was, oh, God. 
Like he, he could have stepped in that room and said, oh, you little punk. Ha ha ha, guess who's real? And dealt with me harshly. And sent me to hell. Oh, he could have. Just like he could do with you. But instead, he stoops down, he comes and he says, I'm here for you. Come. I'm here for you. I love you. So what do you do? Do you believe? Because if you don't, he says, if you don't believe that I am who I claim to be, you'll die in your sins. You will die apart from me. But that's not what I want for you. Like, he doesn't want any to perish. Like, he says, if you don't believe, like, you're going to die in the, in the wrath. Like, this isn't, a, this isn't just a joke, you all. Like, you will die and face his wrath. You will die in your sins. And it doesn't matter how the preacher or the person who does your funeral, we talked about this a few weeks ago, how they spend your life. Oh, they were a good person. Ha <laughs> ha, they're in heaven. Like, everyone's going to heaven. Where is that in this Bible? Where is it? You have an opportunity now to impact people's lives. You should care more about their eternity than their temporalness. You should care more about them and love them more and love them right to tell them about Jesus. Because you don't know if you have tomorrow with them. You don't know if you have the next hour with them. Because death is coming to all. But not all are entering his kingdom. The Bible says it's a narrow road. Only a few find it. The wide road is people doing and living a selfish life. Saying, no, you're not God. And Jesus says that you will die in your sins. People always question and get angry. Oh, how can a loving God send people to hell? Listen. A loving God gives you the right to choose hell. He doesn't send you to hell. You choose it. You choose it. He says before you life and death, you choose. I'm here before you, he says. I'm revealing myself to you, he says. Like, you have to choose me. I will not force myself on you. But as soon as you say, I believe, you're mine. I've got you for the rest of your days. But you will experience the fullness of my love and my power. I will keep you. I will protect you. You belong to me. No other, no other love will do that for you all. No other love. And yet we get mad at God? Or we get back to our little sin? Or we get back to these weird relationships? Or we get back to the weird mindset and the struggle? God, you all, such love. No, I love you. I desire you. I want you to be with me in my kingdom. This is what life is all about. No, you're not God. 
Well, if you don't believe in who I say that I am, you will die in your sins. And like the scripture we read earlier, was it really worth it? Losing your very soul? We close in John chapter 17. Is there room for Jesus, you all? I pray in this upcoming year that your answer would be yes. Like, God, I'm making room for you. No matter what your age is, like, God, I'm making room for you. I want to grow. I want to be discipled. I want to get more active in church. I want to get, oh, I want to get into your word. I want to know how to live right. And tomorrow night we're going to be meeting. And tomorrow night I really just want to focus on prayer, worship, and communion. And I've got a word that I just want to encourage y'all in. So if you can't make it, I would just ask that you listen to it. Because it will be on the website. But if you can make it tomorrow, that's what we're doing. I just want a time of prayer. I want a time on our face. I want a time of communion. I want to open up His Word. And I want to look forward to the new year. I'm saying, God, this is the year that we will prosper, not only individually, but corporately. And I'm not just talking about prospering financially. I'm talking about prospering as a whole. Wholeness. Peace. This would be a year, because again, you all, what's happening on this earth, just open up this word. It's only getting worse. That's why we have to be the church. That's why Christians on this earth have to know what it is to be the church, to live like the church, to live like we belong to Jesus. We have the good news. There's work to be done. We must get out there. And live and be light among darkness. We must love others. We must learn how to serve and how to and how to teach and how to preach and how and how to humble ourselves. We must bring order into our hearts and into our homes. Families have got to start getting together and stop tearing each other apart. We've got to build up. We want to put our hands towards it. And see God do something incredible in our lives. Jesus, we close today. And if you don't get all of this today, if your mind's wandering here and there, I challenge you to go sit and open up John 17 and read the whole chapter. It's not long. And just sit and read it. These are Jesus' words. This is Jesus' prayer. And if you've been around me long enough, you know I always go back to this portion of Scripture. Because this is such an intimate picture of our Jesus. Praying before he's betrayed and arrested. Before everything started taking place. Bringing him to the cross. These are Jesus' words. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. 
Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They are always yours. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and look, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world. Look at that. He's not praying for everyone on the earth. <laughs> but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Listen to this. Now protect them by the power of your name. You want a beautiful prayer to pray? Pray that. Lord, you've said that I would be protected by the power of your name. You are my protector. You are my shield. <laughs> Protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. Speaking of Judas. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I've given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I gave myself, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I'm not praying, I'm praying, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Jesus just prayed for you all. If you believe. <laughs> I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me, and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me so even before the world began. O oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have received you. I'm sorry. I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. Jesus' words, you all. His prayer right before he was arrested, betrayed, right before he was nailed to that cross, this is the prayer he prayed. That we would be one with him as he is with the Father. 
that we would be protected, that we would know truth, that we would go into the world and make him known. Jesus' words. You can't twist this and turn this around for your benefit. Though a lot of churches try. There are, there are good people who believe that they are teaching the right Jesus, and they're not. That's why you must be careful, especially in this day and age when deception is running amok. Just because they slap Jesus on it doesn't mean that it's right. You must know truth because it's the truth that sets you free. Is there room for Jesus? How are you responding to the call? Like Jesus standing before you today, each and every single one of you who is listening to his word. And he's saying, I'm here. I've come to save you. Like, I am your beloved. Like, I, I, I desire and I gave myself for you so that you would be with me. So that you can live a life on this earth for my kingdom, for my glory empowered by my spirit so that others would come to know me. Now go, be my disciple. Go and live and love as I lived and love. Like the Christian life you all can be lived all back down to how you believe. So I'm going to close this with this last song and then I'll close this in prayer. Across this land. 